Hey, hey, kids, you're listening to a couple of annoyed grunt boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. That's right, we're the Simpsons Podcast that discusses the beloved animated sitcom The Simpsons from seasons 11 and beyond, and the new episodes when they air. Why do we do it this way? Well, you see, the entity known as the Wheel of Random has cursed us to only watch those episodes, and not from seasons 1 through 10, because those seasons are considered the golden age, and plenty of other podcasts have discussed them. So we're here to find if there's any episodes from the latter seasons that can match those great golden age episodes. And hey, don't do this alone. I'm just one annoyed grunt boy named Craig. With me, as always, is the other annoyed grunt boy, Steve. Welcome, Steve. How was your week? Anything eventful? Any uh, boners you pulled? I have pulled a boner, Uh and (laughs) I do want to send out an apology. To Hustler Magazine, to all the boners I pulled to you. I think it's the way they're in business, so I'm not going to (laughs) apologize to Larry Flint's can be fine on his own. Uh, No, I want to apologize to a friend of the show and listener, Timothy, because he had this wonderful planned weekend of going to Portland. We have this public space called the Pioneer Courthouse Square, and they've had concerts in that series and a beloved punk band that i and he both happen to enjoy the descendants were going to play the show and sadly their lead singer milo ackerman had a heart attack so i think the cans the concert was postponed and or canceled his other plan was to stop by my store and pick up some of the steamed ham lager that bill oakley made in collaboration with level brewing i tried several times to get it into my store to no avail uh, it sold out very quickly also as I am working on uh, independent business ventures, I'm working less at my store and I wasn't there on Sunday. So I feel horrible that Timothy not only didn't get to see the band he wanted to see play, didn't get a chat with me and I would love to see him again. And also I wasn't able to provide him beer. So uh, my deepest apologies to you, Timothy. I owe you several beers the next time you're in Portland or if I'm ever in Minnesota, I'll track you down. That sounded threatening. I didn't mean it to. But thank you for all that you've done for the show. And thanks for always listening. You're awesome. And uh, my my best to you. Way to be a jerk, Steve. I apologize for Steve as well, Timothy. Um, Don't punish me, all right? You can keep listening to the podcast. That's very kind of you, Craig. <laughs> I'm a very kind person. That brings us to our favorite segment, The Simpsons Beer Corner. <laughs> All right, Steve, what do you got for us this week? Uh, Well, Craig, this episode features Mr. Burns going to the doctor, and the doctor has these like little characters that uh, represent diseases. And the beer that I have, uh, similar little little guys that are cute like that, but they represent fruits, because I have Puff Tart XL, a fruited uh, imperial sour ale brewed with raspberry, blackberry, guava, and marshmallow flavoring. Um, It's from the Brewing Project. It comes in at uh, 7%. The can is very kid-friendly, with the Puff Tart being very cartoony. And as those aforementioned uh, cartoon fruits, they would be very attractive to a kid's. And uh, this beer, actually, uh, if I were a parent, I would hide it because (laughs) um, when you pour it out, it's purple and looks like juice. Wow. Or cleaning solution. Yeah, it looks like Fabuloso. Um, Great drink, by the way. uh, It is. It's, well, what can I say? Fabuloso. (laughs) And uh, this one smells Fabuloso. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, give that a pour, Steve. Yeah, it smells like uh, basically smells like blackberries with a hint of vanilla. I'm going to describe how Steve pours and then sips this uh, because, you know, this is dead air time. He needs to taste it. So someone needs to fill it. And I'm going to do that. So Steve is now pouring the glass into the can, which uh, 
Steve, you got to do it the other way. Pour the can into the glass. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, okay, okay. I was getting that confused. Um, he keeps pouring and it's foaming up, but uh, he keeps pouring. Uh, huh? You could stop, Steve. It's, it's huh. spilling on the table in your computer. Oh, God. All right. Um, all right. Now he's got it. He's cleaned up his mess. Now he's sniffing it. Oh, uh, if this was on camera, it's cute, guys. He's got the a little uh, foam on his nose. Oh. <laughs> all right. Now he's taking a sip. And wow, he's he's really going going to town on that sip. Uh, and yeah, he's finished it. How was it, Steve? Mm, that's actually really good. <laughs> it's tart, not sour, but it has like this really nice berry fruitness. It doesn't taste like beer. It tastes like it tastes like a melted like Marionberry milkshake. Ooh, it's really good. Uh, it's dangerously delicious. I could like chug this and be really happy. <laughs> um, you talked about your a few podcasts episodes ago talking about food carts or. Um, you wanted to do a beer cart with like beer beer floats. Would yes. this be oh, a beer you'd use? This would be perfect. Even like uh vanilla ice cream, which is a great ice cream with just vanilla ice cream, or even like a berry sorbet or even a lime sorbet mm. would work really well with this. Um, yeah, you could have a lot of fun with this beer. I'm intrigued. I think I'd have to try this. I think you'd enjoy it. I know you're a little apprehensive about the sours, but I think this one is a good entry point. I love a good entry point, Steve. Don't we all? Yeah. Um, what have you got for us, Craig? Well, in this episode, we see uh, a man on in international waters marrying a cow, right? Of course. And what do cows produce, Steve? Milk. That's right. I went with a uh, mocha milk stout. Nice. Now, this one's uh, from Silver City Brewery, which I feel like I'd reviewed Silver City a couple times. But it's called the Quick Stout. And also, Quick is spelled K-W-I-K. So very oh. much like a Quickie Mart. Yes. And, and we do see uh, Apu on this episode. We see all of Apu because uh, he's naked. <laughs> uh, this is not that kid-friendly, although it kind of looks like like a milk, like an old white milk in a way, because it has like, it's just white with brown font. Um, so there's a uh, like old milk carton mm-hmm. and it says missing. But yeah, I don't think a kid would pick this up. They'd be like, oh, there's, well, maybe they say milk. Okay, I like milk. Uh, yeah. It's one pint. I don't say that. Um, it's eight percent alcohol by volume. The descriptive text says, "Supplemented by a hearty dose of cacao, freshly roasted coffee, and a hint of vanilla." Quick Stout is a unique style of stout brewed with lactose, a special sugar found in milk that isn't consumable by yeast, resulting in silky sweetness. Now, Steve, uh, I described when you were pouring, and oh yeah, you should probably do the same thing. Alrighty, so he's got the can in his hand, and he's struggling to open it. You don't have to hit it, Craig. You just gotta flip the little tab. Yeah, there do you need to shake first? Oh, okay. I would say don't, um, because you might make a mess. Okay, he's got the beer open. Lower your hand. You don't need to. No. Okay, he's pouring it on his head. It's pouring all over his face. I mean, I guess some of it's getting in his mouth. Oh wait, now he has a glass. No, Craig, don't put the glass on your head. Hold the glass in your other hand. (laughs) Oh, no, no. Don't juggle them. Don't throw them around. You're going to spill everywhere. Oh, God. Oh, no. I got to go back to the fridge and get a new beer real quick. Okay. We're going to try and reset. I think this was just practice. He's doing fine. It's going to wipe. I got the other beer. Uh, Fortunately, uh, right on our table, I have a refrigerator full of the same beer. Oh, good, good. And and I successfully, as you can see, poured it in a different glass. Okay. You you did great. It's in in the glass in your hand. Well done. Now you're going to take a sip. Yeah, I've, I've successfully done that, too. Okay. What are your thoughts? The first initial flavor is that cacao. And I want to say it it reminds me of something, the um a particular like chocolate flavor that when you had it as a kid, it was disappointing. <laughs> like it's almost like a um not a Tootsie roll. That's that was my first thought when you said disappointing chocolate. <sighs> it's like on the tip of my tongue, too. It's like um God, what is that? 
is it similar to like quick Nestle quick? It might be the Tootsie Roll, but it's like something where, yeah, they don't like there's no actual chocolate in it. It's just like chocolate flavored. Maybe so like maybe a like a Tootsie, Tootsie Pop. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Oh, you know what? Let me try that again. Let me put that in my mind when I take the sip here. Yes. So it's hmm. like those Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pops, but the chocolate flavor one where like the candy on the outside is supposed to be chocolate, but doesn't taste like chocolate. It's yeah, exact, okay. That's exactly what this tastes like. That's funny. Okay. And look, I found the uh, indigenous person shooting a star on my can too, so I get a free beer, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had many milk, stout, chocolate, stouts, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I love Silver City. I think they're great, but um, mm-hmm. hmm. Yeah, Maybe I don't. Rare I, miss. Yeah, I don't know if I'm. And it has nothing to do with the time of the year, the season. You know, like oh, I'd have to have this in the fall or winter time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't taste that great of a chocolate. Uh, Interesting. I will finish it because you know, yeah, root to waste. But uh, yeah, it's not that bitter either. Mm-hmm. Which of course I love a bitter chocolate. So. Maybe if it was more bitter. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to have to give this a pass. That's fair. I mean, they can't all be winners. And, you know, sometimes you have intention of what a beer should be. And sometimes you try to make that and it doesn't quite happen. So, look, I know what a beer wants. I know what a beer needs. (laughs) I know what beer is going to make me happy. That sounds like a song that might come up in a second. Yeah. uh, Well, Craig, well, while we're talking about seconds and minutes and hours and years, why don't you go back in time all the way back to January 23rd? To the uh, number one movie in the box office? What is it, Steve? Why, that's uh, the third in a series that is now up to six, I think. Sure. Uh, uh, Scream 3. That's the one that has uh, Jane Sunbob in it in a cameo. Oh, yeah. Uh, I only know that because of the cameo. Steve, I don't know if I've... I've seen all the scary movies, the parodies of Scream, but I don't think I've seen all the Scream movies. I know I saw the first one. I'm yeah. pretty sure I saw the second one. That's, I think, I I think I where I'm at. Probably saw maybe number one. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw it years ago. Yeah. I know... Drew Barrymore dies in the beginning. Spoilers, but that was like the big thing. It's like yeah, like she was a big actress, and they kill her off in the right. beginning. It's Scream. The first Scream movie is 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 a legit good movie. Yeah, Ever I think Wes Craven. I think they're all probably pretty solid. I just that genre of horror is not exactly my cup of tea, and so. Yeah. I'll watch them and it's fine. But yeah, it's, I don't know if I ever saw three. Yeah. And I haven't seen them, obviously. And I knew the the newer ones, you, like the ones that came out like past couple years, like you can watch those without the original ones. But mm-hmm. again, yeah, I like a good horror movie, but, uh, but yeah, I'm just, yeah, we're just not the scream heads, I guess. That's right. But, uh, well, when we were not going to theater, we were probably rocking out on our iPods. In 2000, uh, Steve? No. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, our CD. Uh, yes. CD Walkmans? Like, yeah. Wait. With anti skip feature. Yeah, exactly. And bass. The boost. <laughs> ult- ultra bass boost. <laughs> what was the number one song, Craig? It was Christina Aguilera with What a Girl Wants. Oh. I want to thank you for giving me time to breathe. Like You're welcome. I do. Oh. All right. I remember that song. Yeah. Um, Originally written by Liberace. He knows what a girl wants. (laughs) 
No, uh, yeah, it's fun. Uh, Christina Aguilera, and then in this episode, we get Britney Spears. I mean, this is 2000s, the time of the guy we had, what, uh, Christina, Britney, uh, Jessica Simpson, Mandy Moore, Mandy Moore, all have gone on to uh, continue living mm-hmm. <laughs> with, uh, you know, no controversy. No, I think, uh, out of those four, I think Mandy Moore is not yeah. controversial. Christina seems to be fine, right? Like, she. Is she one of those voice judges on one of those voice judge shows? Yeah, I think the the voice, you <laughs> the know, voice judge show where just people go on to judge my voice. <laughs> I don't. I mean, that's basically what it is. But yeah, we we would lose. Yeah, I hate your voices. Yeah. Um, and what you say with those voices? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think she's still or was a uh, voice host. Um, but yeah, Mandy Moore has had a really turned into a really, really successful acting <laughs> career. I like how we're just like turn this into a we like Mandy Moore. Sorry, Christina. Yeah. Now, Christina, you're very cromulent to us. That's right. Um, all right, Steve. You know, we like to talk about cromulent episodes of The Simpsons, and maybe this is one. We're going to talk about the Mansion family, in which Homer plays billionaire while house-sitting for Mr. Burns, who has checked himself into the Mayo Clinic. Hmm. Steve and I are going to take a break and check ourselves into the Miracle Whip Clinic. Aww. Huh? huh? <laughs> All right, Steve, let's uh, go finish our beers and go to the Miracle Whip Clinic. Sounds great. We'll be right back. And we're back. Today we're talking about the Mansion family. It's the 12th episode of the 11th season. Originally aired January 23rd, 2000. It's episode 238 in the show's run. The nerd code is BABF08, written by John Schwartzwelder, directed by Michael Policino, and the showrunner is Mike Scully. Ah, the Scully years. What can we say about John Schwartzwelder? He's written more episodes of The Simpsons than anybody else. He is Simpsons royalty. Um, he's also a novelist in his own right, writing those Frank Burley novels that we know and love. He's written 11 of them. The last one in 2020 called The Spy with No Pants. He's a recluse. He's brilliant. He's a Republican. He's weird. What What? What? What can I say? Uh, you know, we're not a political podcast, but uh, is he still a, a Republican in, in today's light? I'm guessing not. <laughs> he's written some of the greatest episodes. Like He's written 59 episodes of Simpsons, and like they're all just, well, not all of them, but most of them are classics. <laughs> like, uh, you know, Mark the General, Traits of Wrath, Itchy and Scratchy and Marge, Bart the Murderer, Homer at the Bat, Brother Can He Spare Two Dimes, Itchy and Scratchy the Movie, Whacking Day. It just goes on and on. So we're allowed, given the rules of the Wheel of Random, to review 15 episodes of The Simpsons, and this is the sixth one we reviewed. We also talked about Take My Wife's Sleaze, the biker episode. Simpsons Safari, which is where they go to Africa. Well, rare miss from him. Kill the Alligator and Run, which we love, despite its uh, appearance of wonderful person Kid Rock. Uh, the Sweetest of Pooh, The Frying Game, and The Regina Monologues. And now we have The Mansion Family. We still got uh, Mr. Spritz Goes to Washington, I Am Furious, Yellow, The Lassus Gun in the West, A Hunga Hunga Burns in Love, Hungry Hungry Homer, The Computer War Menishes, A Tale of Two Springfields. So, you know, we still got a few few Schwartz welders left. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, you know, if we ever do a Patreon, those old uh, original Schwartz Weld episodes might be discussed. Yeah, we might get to those eventually. I mean, we were going to have him on this episode and he was ready to do it. But, you know, the WGA strikes. and Yeah, you know, we don't want to break the strike. 
Yeah. So I guess of the the ones that we reviewed, I'm going to say minus this one, of course, because we don't know if we like it yet. But right. Uh, is maybe the frying game might be my favorite because that's the one. Is that the one with the uh, the caterpillar or whatever that screams? Yeah, the screaming pillar, I think it was called because he gets high, right? Yeah. Palmer? Yeah. Yeah. I think I like that one. That might be my favorite of the ones we reviewed. Yeah. Um, that and Take the Alligator and Run, I think. Yeah. Too... Yeah. That was just on uh, on TV there. And I just caught a, caught a glimpse of that. And they also uh, showed um, Homer at bat. And that's that's probably one of my favorites of. Oh, yeah. I think I would like, uh, you know, we do gift exchange at the end, but, you know, we're not doing those original first 10 seasons. But I think the gift from Homer at Bat for me would be uh, I would like an actual framed of the the team, but Mm -hmm. actually signed by the actual baseball players. That'd be kind of a cool one. You know, it's like Steve Sachs and. Oh, yeah. Ozzy Smith. They're all still alive. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think I mean, Strawberry had a problematic, you know, with the drugs, things like that. But I could probably still get his autograph. Yeah. I mean, he can write his name. (laughs) <laughs> I assume, but you know, if I, I that's a great Dan, gift. But if I meet Dan Casaletta, you know, it's like, no, 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 I don't want Dan's name. I need, I need Homer's name. He probably <laughs> gets so many people like, you know, I want you to sign it as Homer. I would just sign everything as Genie. <laughs> uh, yeah, or you know, Robin Williams is gone. Just be like, hey, just, just sign it as Robin Williams. You know. <laughs> but uh, here we are, Steve. This is our our little um, marathon of season eleven before season thirty five starts. Right. That's right. We have until October 1st to uh, get as much of season 11 in as we can. Yeah. Unless, you know, Fox changes the air date. Again, we talk about all the time, like uh, speaking of baseball, that, uh, you know, it's usually around the the October Classic. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think no, I think usually the October Classic now is like at the end of October. (laughs) Baseball has too many games. Yeah. As a baseball fan myself, you know, the first couple months don't matter. Especially the way Mm -hmm. uh, we're not a baseball podcast. Uh, I don't think we ever will be a baseball podcast, but uh, I don't think so. Right now, you know, after the trade deadlines, you know, this is kind of when the baseball starts getting interesting for uh, the old wild card spot, Steve. Even you and I have a chance to be a wild card contenders in the MLB. Oh, boy. That's how easy it is. Wow. I'm going to (laughs) start, you know, oiling up my bat and uh, stop scratching my belly. Well, Steve, most teams don't need belly itchers. Okay. Yeah. Hey, we have a chalkboard gag. It says the uh, class clown is not a paid position. So, you know, he was talking to, uh, uh, here's how I think it went down. Uh, Krapavl was talking Mm -hmm. about uh, jobs that these kids could have in the future, or, you know, even maybe now how kids could make money at their age. Like uh, at this time, you know, newspaper delivery kid. uh, Lemonade stand. uh, Yeah, lemonade stand. And uh, I was going to say Homer. Homer Jr., a.k.a. Bart. Oh, you. Yeah. How about a class clown? I should be paid to make this glass laugh. And Kerbapa was like, no, you piece of shit. Stay after school and write that. It's not a paid position. Is that how it went down? That's what I assumed, yeah. All right. So we also have a couch gag in which uh, Marge and Homer are depicted as children, while Bart and Lisa are shown as adults, and Maggie is a doll in Homer's arms. Uh, Homer reaches for the remote control, but Lisa takes it away from him, leaving him with a frown. And, you know, these couch gags, are, they're silly and they're not meant to be serious, but if you think about it, that means that Bart and Lisa boned, like, twice. So they just reverse the kids as parents. Yeah, so it's an even number, so they made Maggie an inanimate object. In this universe, Bart and Lisa aren't siblings. That's what I'm, right. I'm, I'm assuming. Okay. Yeah. Hey, at least Homer has a full head of hair. But yeah. <laughs> but their kid has a five o'clock shadow. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is weird. There there is like, you know, uh, the theory of the multiverse. So there is like an actual universe where you and I are talking about this episode. But from the perspective, it'll be Homer and Marge because like that's so weird. Homer and Marge are the the, the parents in this universe. Yeah. Do you think uh, that universe's Steve is wearing shorts and like a tank top right now? And the Craig of that universe is wearing denim and a sweater. Probably, yeah. Although, yeah. I'll have you know that I am currently wearing uh, shorts. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess I guess I could have looked under the table, but, you know, that'd been weird. Right. Usually, you're not wearing anything under the table. So, yep. I stopped, I've stopped looking. Yeah, well, you're lost. And it's really weird because we're recording this uh, episode in a Benihana, so. <laughs> Hopefully, they don't do that explosive onion thing. Yeah. <laughs> that hurts. Hey, Steve, let's begin the episode. And it begins, as every episode of The Simpsons does, with the uh, Springfield Pride Awards and the sign marquee says, uh, please no rioting. But hey, let's uh, allow our hosts to get the evening started. Is all right? Yeah, I think so. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman. And I'm teen sensation Britney Spears. <laughs> and I'm Kent Brockman. <clears throat> with Britney Spears. And we're here to present the 65th Annual Springfield Pride Awards. Tonight, we'll be recognizing outstanding members of the Springfield community. This is my year, March. Everyone knows I'm what makes this city great. I don't know. There's a lot of buzz around Lenny. Our first Springfield Pride Award goes to a local legend. A man who brings laughter and joy to the children of Springfield. <gasps> With his big red nose and baggy pants. Krusty the Clown! Hey, hey! What? Who are you? Seat filler. Uh, I like how wow. the conversation starts off with, well... Like, there's no rhyme or reason for the presentation of, like, it starts off like, well, maybe they're just doing every other word, but then it's, like, every other, like, syllable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then at the end, it's just, like, he just says, the for Camp Rockman. Right. Yeah. Um, also, kind of a big get in 2003. Camp Rockman? Yeah, really. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's Star there's Channel a, 6. Yeah, there's that scandal that was going on around that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they were of a legal age. But Britney Spears, still very popular. And sure, she probably just phoned it in and, you know, never met with anybody. But still, it's pretty good get. Well, you know, Steve, I'm going to have to defend Britney Spears on this because I listened to the audio commentary of uh, oh. this. And no, she did not phone it in. Oh, good. She was actually a big fan. She recorded this early in the career, probably like 17 or 18. They said on the mm-hmm. the thing. And um because someone made kind of like a a derogatory comment. And again, the audio commentary for this episode was probably recorded. And I didn't look it up, but I'm going to assume after maybe Brittany had the uh, breakdown and when she mm-hmm. shaved her head that air. I don't even remember what year that was, but someone kind of was like make, making disparaging comments on Britney Spears. And then I think it might have been Scully who kind of interjected or someone interjected and was like, I'm going to stop you there and say she was actually a wonderful person to work with. It's a fan of the show. It was all of her handlers that were annoying and just not good for her. And it was funny who they brought that up. That like we kind of found out like the conservatorship, like that Britney Spears, you know, a few years ago was messed up. But I don't know. You know, it's something that we don't know as a society. And it's weird that like, you know, we've talked about 
her personal life these past years. So it's probably messed up. Just like mm-hmm. we obviously care about her because she's a huge pop star, but we're just so obsessed with celebrity in this culture. It's yeah, it, it'll mess with people. Yeah. And that was uh, around 2007 when she kind of shaved her head. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's probably when that was recorded. And it is a shame because as we're learning now about her, you know, her whole life, she's been kind of messed with and dealt with all of that. And so, yeah, don't blame her. Yeah. As that one person on the Internet says, leave Brittany alone. And that other person on the Internet that says, release the Snyder Cut. <laughs> That's right. And um, release the Kraken, too. Yeah. Hey, Britney Spears, she's she's now single, guys, so don't be a dick and try to take her money. Yeah, exactly. Again, she was supposed to be on this episode, uh, but again, uh, SAG rules, you know, because she's probably part of SAG, right? She did Crossroads, the movie. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. uh, probably appeared on an episode of Hannah Montana or something. Oh, she was on um, How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah. She had a couple. Of, she was in a couple episodes of that. Yeah. She wasn't on Hannah Montana. Was she on Hannah Montana? Steve, I think I you're know. thinking of Miley Cyrus. Oh, that's right. Steve, did you know that Miley Cyrus is Hannah Montana? Wait, what? Sorry to burst your bubble. But, oh, that, you know, that really makes the show. <laughs> it really makes it a lot better now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, stay tuned for uh, the coming, this coming year. Steve and I are going to be doing the uh, Hannah Montana Rewatch podcast. Mm-hmm. The best of both worlds. <laughs> You know how this show is like 90 to minutes to two hours long on for like mm-hmm. a 22 minute show. Was Hannah Montana only like a 22 minute? Yeah. yeah. We're going to devote like four hours each episode. Yeah. <laughs> it be like a Pete Holmes interview every week. Have you ever actually watched an episode of Hannah Montana? I'll have you know I've watched several. Okay. <laughs> I don't uh, know why, but yes. Steve's not about physical media and keeping like DVDs, but for some reason he has the entire box collection of Hannah Montana, like two sets, one unopened and one opened. Well, you got to have the value for the yeah. Hannah heads, you know, and one special one where it's like you're waiting for the signature of Miley Cyrus and Hannah Montana. But and Hannah I, Montana. Guess, yeah. I guess that's one stop shopping now. Yeah. I do like that Homer had a tiny flag that said a words because this is the tiny flag era of Homer where he would just have flags celebrating whatever he happened to be doing. And so I think that silliness is a lot of fun. Yeah, I think they even bring that up in the audio commentary. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, also, the bit, too, where, you know, when Britney's describing Krusty, it's just like Homer thinking like that's yeah. him. There was kind of like a fun little bit of quick animation where it was almost like when Krusty's head went up, it almost matched Homer's outline oh, of cool. head too. Yeah. And that's the way I saw it, but it was like really yeah. quick. Also, the intensity of Lenny's face when Marge is like, there's a lot of buzz around Lenny. Yeah, there's a couple of Lenny moments that have been uh, a popular kind of meme on the internet. And that's one of them. Like, yeah. You see that Lenny pose all the time. Mm-hmm. Classic Lenny. I'm just going to say it right now. I have a very strong opinion about this episode, uh, which will reveal itself as we go on. But uh, but yeah, good stuff so far. As the evening goes on, more and more Springfield residents receive awards. Homer feels that everyone is winning one except for himself. Marsh tells Homer that uh, she can't help it if she donated the most blood before she passes out. And uh, while she's unconscious, Homer tries to grab her award, but uh, she slaps his hand away. So Homer wants to know why no one will give him an award. And Lisa reminds him that uh, he won a Grammy. And Homer replies that uh, he mentioned an award worth winning. And then a Chiron below appears that says a legal disclaimer. Mr. Simpson's opinions do not reflect those of the producers who do not consider the Grammy an award at all. 
<laughs> what a very funny, funny Chiron. What What's the beef with the uh, Grammy Awards with the Simpsons writers? Um, well, I think that the Grammys just have historically always been out of touch. Um, most notably in like 1992 or 93, um, Metallica was all set to win the award for best metal artist, which was a new genre in the Grammys. And it ended up going to Jethro Tull. <laughs> um, and I think just for a long time, uh, music fans have been like confused by some of the choices that they pick because like many award shows, it's mostly made up of older folks who have a little out of touch with like pop culture. And uh, now I think just all award shows are kind of flabby and unnecessary, but yeah, but jerks still watch them. Oh yeah. Like, you know, maybe me. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I, I get it. I, I stick with like, I still watch the Oscars um, under protest, of course. Mm-hmm. I got to watch the Oscars because I need to know who died. <laughs> yeah. My and favorite then, part of any award show. And then you go online to see who they missed. You're like, how did they miss that person? Mm-hmm. Did they do something this last year where they're like, for more dead people, go to Oscars.com <laughs> or something like that? I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember there was controversy like a few years ago with Grammys. I mean, there always is. It's always like whoever's the new artist of the year is like, isn't that like a curse? Yeah. I remember one year like Beck won for like album of the year. Oh, right. And a lot of people got upset about that. Yeah. And then there was this one artist that I forgot got like, best artist of the year. And she was from Portland, too. And then everyone was like upset about that because like no one knew who she was. And it was like, uh, I don't, I forget who else was like nominated for Irish of the Year, but it was like, what, really? And it was nothing, yeah. you know, negative. Like she, you know, was a good artist, but yeah, Jethro Tull. <laughs> that, I mean, that's just like the Golden Globes when they do best musical comedy movies, mm-hmm. and it's like, uh, uh, what's that? Uh, the Martian, right? Wins right, exactly. Comedy and like, there's funny elements in the movie, but it's not a comedy. Right. It's and it, like I think all that's why I think award shows are so out of touch is like, you know, the bear will get nominated for best comedy. And that is not it's an amazing show, but it's not funny. There's funny elements. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> this year, I think it's going to be for the Gram- or Grammys, uh, Golden Globes for best musical comedy will be Barbie will be nominated. And so will Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although I guarantee you, it probably will be Barbie will win for best musical or comedy. And then. For drama, Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Unless there's, you know, this if well, will there be war shows if the strike continues? There won't be. Probably not. I mean, if they do, it's like one of those like guestless, hostless, like why, you know, it's like here's the nominees and uh, here's who wins. Right, and I feel like it would be against rules to even like for an actor or a writer to even appear. Right. Britney Spears tells the audience that in today's youth-obsessed culture, we sometimes forget that older people are still alive. Grandpa uses this information to get uh, the seat filler off his lap. Ken Brockman then introduces Springfield's oldest citizen. And that's why our final award honors a man who's lived in Springfield for 108 years. Our oldest resident, Cornelius Chapman. Cornelius Chapman built the first log cabin in Springfield and introduced the toothbrush to our fair city. For years, he was Springfield's only basketball player, but he still managed to entertain the crowd. In the market crash of 1929, he helped people jump out of windows to avoid disgrace. You're doing the right thing. Oh, oh, out you go. <laughs> My, you're a big one. No, 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 turning back now. Off a tall building. That's a great way to do it. And in 1935, our honoree took a bullet for Huey Long. Oh. 
And now, Springfield's oldest citizen, he is like totally venerable, Cornelius Chapman. I don't know where to begin. Um, Him leading people off the building to avoid shame in the stock market crash is so funny to me and like, oh, you're a big one. And the fact that that inspires Mo, like, oh, jump off a tall building. He hasn't thought of that. Yeah. The classic uh, old timey Schwartzweldery jokes. Mm-hmm. I was doing the old black and white old timey stuff. Um, also, the fact that he took a bullet for Huey P. Long after he'd already been shot three <laughs> times. It's yeah, that's, that's, a really, that's a really good scene. Yeah. Uh, the aged Springfieldian takes to the stage and receives the award from uh, uh, Britney Spears. So the pop singer then kisses Cornelius on the cheek, which then causes him to have a heart attack and die. Ah, oh. and Kent kicks him aside like this is a very like just kind of like shoves him like just <laughs> you know how it's like when you're a kid and you just like you dropped a Cheeto and you're like I don't want to pick it up and you just like hide it under mm-hmm. the couch just kind of that way like yeah I know we'll see me do this. Um, and so he looks for a new re- recipient for the award. And he asks everyone who's 60 or older to stand up. And so we see Abe Simpson, Jasper Beardsley, Monty Burns, Miss Glick, and old Jewish man stand up. And then Kit asks for folks over 80. And then Burns, Jasper, and old Jewish man remain standing. But uh, Abe sits down. So then Kent asks people for over 90. And then Abe stands back up. <laughs> and then Kent goes to 100. And then Homer stands up uh, for Marge and forces him to uh, sit down. He's like, what's that, Sonny? And it's funny scene. Uh, it's funny how they start the bidding at 60, because I feel like nowadays 60 is not that old. Oh, uh, I was going for one of my evening walks, like old people do. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, I saw uh, like a retirement community, right? And it said 55 or older. And it just really <laughs> dawned on me right there. I'm like, <laughs> in, so in 14 years, I could live in this community. <laughs> and 14 years does not seem like a long time. No. So I'm like, I'm at that, almost at that age where I can live in a retirement community. And you know what it did to me? What's that? It gave me hope because I've been to some <laughs> retirement communities and they're fucking awesome. Yeah. Like I went to this one and, and like, you know, everything is, you, you got like a, a restaurant, you know, you got like, like a, a entertainment center. Like you don't have to like go anywhere. And if you do want to go somewhere, they'll send a bus. Yeah. Now a, a specific, like, tr- like in Portland, a, a TriMet bus that you i want to say rent but it's free <laughs> that'll take you wherever you want to go i mean it's probably included in your your monthly rent but yeah 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 so i'm just kind of proposing steve you know in 14 years i think you and i should find like a really swanky retirement community to just move there yeah that sounds like a plan <laughs> i mean we'll still like have to have jobs yeah probably just like, to afford rent yeah <laughs> but if it's 55 or you got like uh yeah just imagine like walking down to the clubhouse with our like cocktails like mm-hmm. you know we'd be the youngest hot studs of that retirement community oh, yeah <laughs> it's it's gonna be weird the the like the gen x or millennial retirement homes like what are they gonna be there's gonna be like rooms with like ataris up to like sony playstations like mm-hmm. <sighs> You know, you'd have an espresso machine, probably some ironic toys, some like nostalgia, like unopened like fruit snacks with like the sharks in them. Because like the thing about Gen X and millennials, they never actually grew up. They're just in the rest of development. And I'm not no judgment because I am. We're talking right. about a cartoon from 20 years ago. Right. But like we only care about the things from our childhood. 
Yeah. Our retirement community will have like podcasting booths so we can still podcast. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 It'll, it'll be exciting. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. One, one more thing. I want to bring up the uh, seat filler. I think he's kind of funny because like when Homer has to get up, mm-hmm. I like how when he goes to sit down right by Marge and just puts her hand or his arm over her. because really Right. <laughs> <laughs> we then see that the last man standing, no, not Tim Allen, is Charles Montgomery Burns. The crowd cheers as Monty walks to the stage. He pushes away Britney Spears saying, don't give me the kiss of death, you black widow. And so uh, Ken Brockman pulls the award from Cornelius Chapman's cold dead hands, commenting that he didn't want to let that go. So the audience <laughs>, laughs wildly at the dead man. Uh, Mr. Burns uh, doesn't have a speech prepared, but with an abracadaver, he takes Cornelius' speech. He begins to read it out loud, but the flowery talk of cuddly infants, puppies, patriotism, and bluebirds discuss Monty Burns. So he states that the speech is over and then walks off the stage. Uh, listening to the audio commentary, Mike Scully said that uh, he got this idea for the story because his grandmother in his hometown of Springfield, West Springfield, Massachusetts, had a ceremony for her because she was the oldest uh, one in her town. And she got a, a cane with a golden head on it, Steve. Oh, yeah. But he was like, the weird thing is like her name wasn't actually on the cane. But as soon as like she passes away, it will be. So it's like <laughs> she never got to see her name on the cane. Uh, she lived to 103. Wow, that's impressive. And also really cheap of the town of West Springfield. Yeah. Like, what good is it getting engraved after you're dead? Uh Anyway, so everyone files out of the auditorium with their awards, except, of course, Homer, who is uh, just hauling one of the uh, set pieces of the awards, the Jebediah Springfield. And uh, Marge tells him that it's not an award. And he replies that uh, nothing she can say will diminish his honor. And then the arm of uh, Jebediah falls off. I thought it would have been kind of funny if instead of his arm falling off, it was his head, kind of like in reference to Telltale Head where... Bart cups cuts off <laughs> the statue's head. And he's like, ah, oh, not again. <laughs> exactly. But that's fine. There's yeah. plenty of funny here. You know, the kids didn't get an award. Why that's is Homer true. so sad? Yeah. I mean, maybe they're not eligible because you have to be an adult or something. Yeah, it's like 18 or over awards. Yeah. Yeah. But see, Lisa would probably get for most, uh, for like best student or like most kiss ass. And Bart would get it for like being Bart. <laughs> being Bart. Exactly. Yeah, uh, so in his office, Monty begins to realize that as the town's oldest man, he's not a young man anymore. He needs to start taking better care of himself. And he hasn't had a medicino checkup in ages. Uh, Smithers feels that he deserves the finest doctors in the world. So he's taking him to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. Monty needs someone to uh, watch his house. And so he thinks about uh, the fellow who always screws up and creates havoc. Smither points to Homer, who is on the uh, security camera, sawing his uh, workstation in half for some reason. <laughs> and Mr. Burns figures that he's due for a good performance, much to uh, Smither's chagrin. <laughs> I really do like that. Homer just yeah. saw his workstation. <laughs> So as the Simpsons arrive at the Burns estate, Monty tells Marge that if the house catches fire, he wants uh, her to dial this phone number, which Marge recognizes as the fire department. And Monty comments that they're new, but uh, they're good. Monty and Smithers and hop into a cab with Marge telling him not to worry about a thing. As Marge opens the door, Homer appears at the top of the stairs in a smoking jacket and a top hat shouting, look at me, I'm a billionaire. He then slides down the banister and lads ass first into a painting, very cartoony. And then Smithers returns to grab a bag he forgot. And Homer gives like a nervous laugh and a thumbs up with him still stuck in the artwork. <laughs> Great stuff. Um, the it's new, but it's good is a joke that I've stolen and used for a lot of things. Mm. Like if somebody asked for something obvious, like uh, you, I need to do my taxes. Uh, it's like you should try an accountant. They're new, but they're good. <laughs> 
It's just a, my way to be an asshole, I guess. I'll try that next time. All right. So as Marge and Homer check out the mansion, Marge is impressed by the size of the bedroom, which is as big as the Simpsons house. Homer points out that the bed never needs to be made. He then pulls a lever and the bed falls into a pit of flames and it's instantly replaced with a new bed, complete with bedding, pillows, and a canopy. Marge feels that it's a little uh, wasteful and Homer agrees that it is wasteful and practical. He then goes to the auto dresser, or as he puts it, a mechanical dressy dealie. And he uh, hops in, shuts the door, and screams in pain as the machine whirs and shakes. A bell rings, and Homer pops out, bruised and cut up, wearing a tuxedo that is torn and tattered. He's ready to hit the town. Do you think it's all messed up? He's all messed up because he's not the right body type for us, yeah. Mr. Burns? Yeah. Um, so Bart explores the hallways of the uh, Palatio Estate, looking behind a painting of dogs and Mr. Burns playing poker. Uh, then behind the uh, nude portrait of Monty that was painted by Marge and Marge's brush with greatness. And then finally, Bart checks behind the still life painting of Paul Cezanne, which features fruit, wine, and Monty's head as an apple. Behind the painting is a safe, which Bart carefully opens. Listening to the clicks of the lock, Bart opens the safe to find a beef eater guard crouched inside. <laughs> Tell him to close the door. I don't know why Burns needs that there, but he does. Yeah. Uh, Lisa and Maggie check out the library where they find the complete collection of Nancy Drew, including the controversial clue in the clock, which has so many swears. <laughs> we then have a classic and I dare say iconic scene, at least to me, uh, in which Bart rides his bike down a hallway and he takes a left, knocking over a table with a vase on it, shouting, I'm Al Unser Jr. And then we have Lisa following behind her, riding a horse, shouting, I'm Princess Margaret. And then Homer finishes this caravan of destruction, uh, sitting on top of a riding lawnmower, shouting, I'm drunk, uh, smashing through the table and uh, tearing up the carpet. And this scene is just... It's a work of art to me. I don't know why. It just makes me laugh all the time. Just the way the heightening of I'm this person, I'm this person, and I'm drunk is so good. I, I, I love this joke. I'm sorry. It's it's great. Well, you don't need to apologize, Steve. Okay, but it's really good. Monster Jr. I'm Princess Margaret. I'm drunk. Also, Homer just getting a lot more into the house. <laughs> <laughs> Burns and Smithers arrive at the uh, Mayo Clinic, which has a billboard that reads Got Tumor, much to the uh, famous Got Milk ad campaign, which I think they still use that, don't they? I think so. Yeah, I think they may have brought it back recently. Right. Um, so in the waiting room, various elites and dignitaries sit as Mr. Burns fills out his form. Then we see Pope John Paul II walk out of the uh, doctor's office with the medical professional assuring the pontiff that his condition is nothing serious and that he just needs to lay off the chili. So Fidel Castro is there and he laughs at that. Uh, but the Pope responds saying that he's been in a car with the Cuban leader. <laughs> so Mr. Burns writes his social security number on the form, which is not, 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 two. Cursing Roosevelt for getting the uh, first one. He then writes that uh, the cause of his parents' death was they got in his way. The idea of going to a medical examination uh, was actually inspired by the writer John Schroeder's own visit to the Mayo Clinic, um, according to George Meyer, an executive producer on the show, said that, John, I don't think he's a guy who goes to the doctor very often. <laughs> and, and so every 20 or 30 years, he decides that he needs to get a tune-up. So he went to the Mayo Clinic, and they had uh, given him a whole bunch of tests, and they said that the constant smoking had done no harm to him whatsoever. <laughs> it might even be benefiting him, or at least that's what John said. Yeah. So... I, I just that just goes to show what John Schroeder is like. He's this chain smoking guy who's like, eh, the doctor said I'm fine. 
fact, the smoking is probably good for me. You know, it's going to be funny. Whatever town he lives in now, he's probably going to get the award for oldest citizen. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be one of those guys that lives to like 112. It's like whenever you see it, like on the Today Show, like, you know, like Fannie Mae Wilcox is uh, 108 years old. Yeah. How? What's your secret to your success? Well, I like cigarettes and Dr. Pepper. It's like, <laughs> that's my diet. Yeah. And then a shot of whiskey before bed. And I and, love uh, fucking. <laughs> Anyways, let's go back to the mansion. Um, and we'll have a clip here where the Simpsons are finding dining in opulence difficult. Mom, Bart's making faces at me. I think. Look how loud I have to yell! This all seems a little elaborate for Sloppy Joes. Hmm. I know what the other 11 forks are for, but what do you do with this one? Why, Marge, I believe you're supposed to scratch your ass with it. Homer, watch your life. Oh, that's a lifesaver. Man, this is living. Stop that. Cigars are for rich people and legendary comedians like Bill Crosby and David Letterson. I love when people say the name of a celebrity wrong. Mm -hmm. I think I tend to do that sometimes as a joke. Yeah, it's always fun. Trying to think of like the one that you would like Jerry Steinfeld. If you say that, that's that's always Mm -hmm. a fun one. It's a classic. Matt Groening, Yardley Smith. I always say Julie Kavner when I mean Julie Klausner. Oh, <laughs> but that's not for a joke. That's just because I'm an idiot. Yeah. Julie Caviar. <laughs> Speaking of Bill Crosby, uh, the other day, a person came into my store and it was like five minutes to close and we're kind of get a big rush. But I noticed something. He was wearing a Michael Jackson thriller shirt. And I was like, that's weird to be wearing a Michael Jackson shirt this day and age. And it wasn't even like a vintage shirt. It was just like, it's clearly <laughs> relatively new. New from I- Hot Topic. <laughs> Then I noticed that he went to the record store and he had records in his under his arm and they were all Bill Cosby records. <laughs> like, is he going to go check out the new Woody Allen movie before <laughs> renting like the latest Louis C.K. special? Like, what are you thinking, man? Was it Chris D'Elia? It was. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he must have had a niece or something because there with a very young girl. Ooh. <laughs> After your story, he went across the street to the subways. Like, I do this because of Jared. <laughs> <laughs> now to get on a plane. The Epstein oh, Express. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Homer fills a snifter of brandy to the brim and then remembers that he forgot to swirl it. So he swirls his glass, spilling brandy all over himself. Uh, Marge asked if Homer Jimmy to open Mr. Burns's liquor cabinet. And Homer tells Marge that Jimmy is such an ugly word. Unless you're talking about that Jimmy Schmitz. Ooh. <laughs> At least it reminds Homer about how sacred house sitting is. But her speech is interrupted by Homer swirling brandy into her face. Uh, Homer tells his family that he worked long and hard for this place and no one is going to take it from him. Not Marge, not the rightful owner, not anybody. He then chugs all the brandy in the glass and then goes to try to speak again, but passes out. And the glass kind of rolls and hits his head and makes a beautiful pinging sound effect. In the uh, uh, Burns' sauna, Homer decides to check out uh, Monty, Monty's phone book. Operator, get me Thailand. T, I, and so on. Homer, who are you calling? Everybody. I found Bernsey's address book. I called the New York Yankees and told them to bunt, and then I called the Queen of England and asked her how it was going, and then I... Well, don't run up Mr. Burns's phone, Bill. That's sick, March. Hello? Thailand? How's everything on your end? Uh-huh. That's some language you got there. And you talk like that 24-7, huh? Uh-huh. 
Yay! Homer, you've got to stop pretending this is your house. You're not a billionaire. Jeez, way to burst my bubble, Marge. All I'm saying is don't get too comfortable. Mr. Burns will be back tomorrow. Marge, you're right. We do have to have a party. Party? No! No parties! What about parties? No parties, no shindigs, no keggers, no hootenannies, no mixers, no raves, no box socials. Damn. And I look so good on that bike. I do enjoy the bit with uh, Marge just saying everything that he should not do. And then just Homer never listens. He's <laughs> like, all right, we should have a party. I think that's great. I really like the part where uh, Marge doesn't really listen to what Homer says. And he just keeps on wanting to have a party and keep on going. I, I just said that. Yeah, it was funny when he had the hat. Yeah. <laughs> and calling the Yankees and just telling them to bunt. Like, <laughs> it's just like a uh, bunt. Like, how does he know if they're maybe was he watching the game? I mean, I don't think there's a TV in the sauna. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, is it at this time Steinbrenner still the owner? And he's like, ah, Burns is crazy. What's he talking about? <laughs> uh, and also the uh, Thailand, please. T I <laughs> so on. <laughs> the flyer that Homer made has him on a penny farthing bike with a word bubble that says it's a box social. And uh, there's a bunch of text on the gibber on uh, on the flyer, but it's it's funny because you can clearly see it, but it's gibberish. Mm-hmm. And I was gonna write it out, and then I got bored. Um, <laughs> but like, I was wondering, like, you know, like in in uh, Futurama, like, there's no wasted space, and like every text is a code of something. So I was gonna like try and figure out if it was some code, but I think it's literally just random letters. So yeah, we talked about it a few podcasts ago, where like now with the, the HD, they kind of have to write a whole paragraph because it, it'll it'll show up. Like right now, I have it paused. It's like horror, nor juicer opposed Thor, horror, Yeah, it's not even a foreign language. It's just it looks like it's just copy paste. Yeah. Or, or I like the idea that Homer was so drunk <laughs> he was typing it out, and he's like, "Yeah, it's perfect print." <laughs> Homer just yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's like so fast that, you know, it's like, ah, Simpsons fans won't pause it. And of course they probably did. Yeah. Like we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Maybe. Homer just throws those flyers into the uh, hot rocks and sauna and they, you know, go up in flames. <laughs> uh, so let's go back to the Mayo Clinic where Mr. Burns requests to be tested for everything and then points to a chart titled diseases you can have. <laughs> uh, the doctor begins by attempting to draw blood. The needle just like goes through Burns's arm, like poking through meringue. Monty suggests that he try the other arm as he saw some blood in there the other day. So uh, Monty's next uh, test is blowing into a tube, which uh, elevates a ball floating in liquid. Of course, this is to check, you know, how much air you can uh, produce. And so the breath test then sucks Monty's face into the tube, causing a bell to ring. The doctor then measures how much Monty's face is in the tube and finds that it's uh, 12 centimeters, which is excellent. Uh, (laughs) Next, Monty's heart is monitored as he goes up three escalator stairs and then down three more, happily saying, I'm a big boy. He then goes through an MRI scan, gets jammed, much like a piece of paper in a Xerox machine. An MRI tech opens up the side panel to reveal Monty bent and twisted inside the machine's various rollers. So then Homer pulls up to Moe's in a fancy Rolls Royce. He turns the three keys and unbuckles his seatbelt, which is actually just a live mink biting his own tail. (laughs) At least he hasn't killed the mink yet, right? I mean, Burns. Yeah. Uh, Homer then walks into the tavern wearing a top hat because, of course, a top hat signifies affluence. Uh, and he has a very uh, specific request. Having a party, Mo. 
I'll need four kegs of your finest imported-sounding beer. How about Tuborg, the beer of Danish kings? Mmm, Danish. Now, you know I can't sell you no beer till 2 p.m. on account of it's Sunday. Huh? If you can't sell beer, what are Lenny and Carl doing here? Huh? Oh, we're just watching the sun move across the sky. When it gets to here, we can drink again. But I need that beer now. Sorry, 2 p.m. Or you can steal a boat and sail out to international waters. <laughs> What's that, a theme park? No, the ocean. Once you get 12 miles out, there's no laws at all. That's where they held the Tyson Secretariat fight. <laughs> they were so drunk. Gentlemen, get off your knees. Your rich Uncle Homer is throwing the wildest box social the high seas have ever seen. And you're invited. Another classic Lenny moment, the uh, mm-hmm. drinking time. See that on the Internet and this from this episode. Yeah, I feel like this episode doesn't get the credit it deserves for being so uh, meme worthy and iconic. Yeah, <laughs> I love how. Or when Moe's saying, like, uh, international waters. And, like, Homer's like, what is that, a theme park? <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> just, like, Moe's, like, like his reaction in his face is like, you moron. <laughs> a theme park. <laughs> and two Borg Ale, Steve. I've heard of a seven of nine Borg, but two Borg? <laughs> That's uh, five less good. At least should have got a Danish beer for this episode. That would have been smart. No, yeah, well. Um, so international waters, uh, that's the thing, right, Steve? So when a boat is in international waters, it actually comes under the jurisdiction of the country. The con- the boat is uh, registered to. So the what? <laughs> country. Okay. The boat is registered to. <laughs> um, so like in this case, the U.S. So if you are from a boat, say from Canada, you can't just go 12 miles outside of the coast of Vancouver and then go crazy. You're still under uh, Canadian law. Okay. Hey, Homer and his party guests uh, rush to the ship, but are blocked by Marge. We aren't going to let them trash Mr. Burns' yacht. Homer tries to reason with Marge, saying that he normally listens to her, but he has to seize his opportunity just in case he never becomes a real billionaire. And it's really funny, that line of him saying he always listens to her. Mm-hmm. And clearly, like, two seconds ago, he wasn't. Uh, Marge sweetly tells Homer that she doesn't care if Homer is a billionaire. And as she starts to share her affection for her husband, Lenny shouts that there's another way to get on the boat. Homer cheers and everyone hops on board. So uh, Homer in a smart sea captain outfit directs the propellers to spin, the wheel to turn left, and the boat to go there. Uh, Lisa tells Marge that she's sure that Homer will be okay, but Marge remarks that the boat is going sideways. The yacht hits a rock and corrects itself, and Homer shouts, Ships ahoy! and compliments Mr. Lenny. <laughs> oh, very funny. Uh, on board the ship Gone Fission, Carl asks if they've reached international waters. But because the scene below is getting ugly, Mo is using a whip to protect his kegs of beer from Lenny and Barney, who are eager to drink. Mo is adamant that he can't sell beer until they cross the line. But Barney offers the solution that Mo could just legally give them free beer. And Mo <laughs> thinks about this for a moment and then whips Barney. So Lenny requests rubbing alcohol for his wounds. And when Mo tosses it to him, he just begins to chug the solution until the bottle is whipped out of his hand. Hey, Steve. Yeah. I brought this bottle of rubbing alcohol. I just want to see how it tastes. Here, here you go. Give it a gulp. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> 
Yeah, it just tastes like oh. mid-tier vodka, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Craig. What? I I, I can't see. Well, and uh, your glasses I'm, are off, and you keep well, ripping your eyes. I'm confused, and I have stomach pain and dizziness. Well, well you did eat like a day old uh, left out Taco Bell before this podcast. That's true, I did. Um, and you were twirling around in your chair for about twenty minutes before we started. Whee! And you were smoking uh, four packs of cigarettes. That's maybe why your breathing is slowing. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. And now Steve's in a coma for some reason. Hmm. But none of those symptoms could be caused by uh, drinking rubbing alcohol, right, Steve? Uh, he's probably dead. <sighs> wait, wait. An old uh, bit we used... Oh, you're alive? Uh, yeah. I was just going to bring that old bit back where you died, and we had a clone, and then that clone died, and then there's another clone, and... Yeah, I, I think, think I'm Steve three. No, I think we reset. I think we like had a time machine or okay. Maybe the flash fixed things. I don't know. Me and Ben Riley worked it out. Yeah. Now he's a hitchhiker and I get to be the real Steve. Uh only comic book dorks know that uh, reference. Ben Riley. Hey, look at me. I'm a comic book dork. <laughs> well, I guess you know, if people saw the new uh Into the Spider-Verse, he was in it. Oh yeah. Yeah, played by Andy Samberg. That's right. Brooklyn Nine-Nine Zone. Uh, so once the gone fishing has left U.S. waters, Homer sees all the debauchery offered by international waters, the land that the law forgot. There's a ship full of sexy bikini-clad women, a <laughs> ship offering old-timey western shootout, and another ship that is partaking in some bullfighting. Bart is impressed. Wow, you can do anything out here. That's right. See that ship over there? They're rebroadcasting Major League Baseball with implied oral consent, not express written consent. Or so the legend goes. Dar, I now pronounce you man and cow. <laughs> Please accept these illegal fireworks with my blessing. Yar. Wasn't there a plot where Bart... It was around this time, too, where Bart takes, like, uh, ADD medication, and everyone thinks that he's crazy, but really, it was Mark McGuire. And it was a similar joke about the expressed written consent versus the implied oral consent. Or am I making yeah. that up? Yeah. No, you got 100%. It's the focus in that uh, Yeah, Mark's exactly. Taking. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's a funny joke, because, like, again, I watch baseball, and the announcers always have to say that in every game. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like, just let you know. Well, they don't say it like that, but... <laughs> BT dubs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or any major sporting events, that's the same way as like, you know. Yeah, I just I just feel like it's such a baseball thing though. Like what little baseball that I've watched throughout my life, I've always <laughs> remember hearing that. So we can't go on YouTube, Steve, and put on a baseball game and you and I have uh, our own commentary that would be legal. Oh, but I want to say just a bit outside. <laughs> but what if we could do that with like old baseball games? Like, is there a certain like like games that were filmed in like the 50s or 60s? Maybe, yeah. Can we just like re-record like the announcers? <laughs> Mickey Mantle's up to bat. Last in, he was under the bleachers getting a blowjob from that lady in the third row. <laughs> uh, Didn't that happen with uh, Babe Ruth too? Wasn't he getting <laughs> a blowjob from he... the same lady that gave Mickey Mantle one? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It happens to everybody. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm sure even now, like, you know, there'll be a player and be like, oh, yeah, that, that lady in the stands, she's just giving me the eye. Go mm -hmm. get her, Usher. Not the rapper, but the Usher. Right, right, right. <laughs> I want to be under the third base, like under the bleachers, because like, you know, you talk about all the bases, but it seems like under the bleachers is the place you want to be. Yeah. I just imagine like old time, like public baseball fields with like the metal bleachers and <laughs> popcorn and soda dropping down on your face oh yeah <laughs> uh, america's pastime that's right 
oral sex. <laughs> the Americans invented it. It's true. That Look and jazz. Up. Yeah. We're known for baseball, jazz, and oral sex. Three things that Steve Sachs are very good at. Because he was in the Steve Sachs trio in the... Yeah. yeah. It's really funny because he doesn't play the saxophone. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Don't um, think I ever picked up on that until just this moment, but that's very yeah. funny. Um, I love the idea of the guy marrying the cow. It's like, I mean, maybe he's religious, but the idea, assuming that the international waters thing was true, it's funny to go outside of the law to get married. Of course, you would like the cow marrying the man, because that's all you liberals want these days, Steve, is to marry something that's not the opposite gender of you. That's right. Dogs marrying cats, me marrying a cow. (laughs) But why buy the cow when you get the milk for free? There you go. Uh, hey, so now securely in the uh, international waters, Homer declares that there are no laws and that they could do anything they want. Anything. So Lenny responds by repeatedly kicking Homer in the crotch, which Homer feels is uh, real mature. Meanwhile, in this clip, Mr. Burns receives his test results back from the Mayo Clinic. Well, Doc, I think I did pretty well in my tests. You may shake my hand if you like. Well, under the circumstances, I'd rather not. Eh? Mr. Burns, I'm afraid you are the sickest man in the United States. You have everything. You mean I have pneumonia? Yes. Juvenile diabetes? Yes. Hysterical pregnancy? A a little bit, yes. You also have several diseases that have just been discovered in you. I see. You sure you just haven't made thousands of mistakes? Uh, No, no, I'm afraid not. This sounds like bad news. Well, you'd think so, but all of your diseases are in perfect balance. If you have a moment, I can explain. Well, here's the door to your body, you see? And these are oversized novelty germs. Uh, That's influenza, that's bronchitis, and this cute little cuddlebug is pancreatic cancer. (laughs) Here's what happens when they all try to get through the door at once. Move it, shout ahead. We call it Three Stooges Syndrome. So what you're saying is... I'm indestructible. Oh, no, no. In, in fact, even a slight breeze could... Indestructible. I think the doctor here might go down as uh, my favorite character from this episode. I agree. This is another, like, iconic scene in my head, like, that I just always think about. In fact, not a political podcast, but I've used the Three Stooges theory to kind of explain how Trump has avoided prison time so often. Just how he's able to get away with all the stuff that he's gotten away with. If there's something about him now... He'll go and do something else. So that becomes the spotlight. So it keeps like building onto like, don't look at that thing from last week because I got exactly. this whole new thing. Yeah. <laughs> and as of this record, uh, still not in jail. No, put up uh, bail money and uh, that's it. Uh, not a political podcast. And that's just, uh, yeah, such a funny scene. I'd like to, sh- uh, you won't shake my hand. It's like, I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, <laughs> the, the diseases, yeah. like juvenile lo- diabetes, hysterical pregnancy, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> that was very funny. Yeah. Love that uh, one. Uh, also, the painting in which there uh, is in the doctor's office is uh, the Gross Clinic, uh, painted by Thomas Eakins, and it features Dr. Samuel Gross, which is a bad name for a doctor, yeah. and his students. So evidently, Dr. Gross was like... <laughs> A well-known sci- uh, doctor, but like sounds like a mad scientist who would like mm-hmm. create things that would become Play-Doh in the '80s toys. Like it's Doctor Gross's fun time fa- uh, laboratory. <laughs> uh, what was that? The creepy crawlers. Yeah, creepy yeah. crawlers. That's right. I didn't have that. No, um, we were a strict no slime household, mostly because my mom was paranoid about me like getting into the carpet, which is completely justified. Yeah, I and, totally would have. And we grew up in the time when 
yeah, we had those products, but like now kids, I don't know if they're into it now, but like slime is such a huge thing or it was like five years ago. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the most things I got were the like slime wise was just those little uh, uh, like 25 cent uh, like hand things that you'd slap on the wall. Right. But then right. as soon as you drop it, it's just covered in dust and hair. It's yeah. And if you had any sort of pet to like, Ugh. it would just be covered in pet hair. And yeah. And I was always upset with the creepy crawlies because like you couldn't eat them. They looked like gummy worms. Right. I think eventually they had like edible ones, but but no. Yeah. Creepy crawlies. They should have an, you know, we were talking about um, some things that would be in the uh, Gen X millennial retirement home. <laughs> they should make a creepy crawlers that makes weed gummies. Oh, yum, yum. Because, you know, we people of a certain age are, you know, need our weed gummies to survive. Yeah. We don't smoke weed. We eat it. Exactly. It's easier. It is. No coughing. <laughs> yeah. All right. I... Well, Steve, can we just go back to Burns' mansion? Okay. All right. So Marge and Lisa are doing some deep cleaning of uh, the entire estate. And Lisa is scrubbing the floor of a science lab. And she wonders why they are cleaning a room they were never in. Marge says that she wants Mr. Burns to find his home just as they left it. She then walks by some test tubes full of embryos that look a lot like Mr. Burns. And then she stops to notice something, not the tube containing a Smithers embryo, but another tube, which has a smudge of dirt on it. That's right. There's another oh, no. Smithers embryo. <laughs> uh, so on the gone fishing, the party's underway with Wigan lighting fireworks, a poo dancing naked, uh, Barney enjoying some time with bikini babes while another man dances with the bull. Homer looks off into the uh, distance and mocks those who aren't living high life on the seas. Look at those poor chaps back on land with their laws and ethics. They'll never know the simple joys of a monkey knife fight. Give it to him, boy! Give it to Rust! Parry! Stamp, 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 stamp! Oh, he ain't pretty no more. Hey, Coast Guard, try and stop us now, you lousy Americans. We can't hear you! Come 300 feet closer! Nice try. You're not gonna nail us. But we just want to party. Oh, really? Then play some rock music. Come on, Bart! The Coast Guard's covering the dew! I like the fact that there's an illegal party, and of course, Wiggum's there. Yeah. The law officer. Breaking the law. I also just like the Coast Guard there, like, come 300 feet closer. What are they going to do? Arrest them or shoot them? Probably shoot them. All right. They're guarding our coast. That's what they're supposed to do. Thank you, Coast Guard. For all that you do. Definitely in the top four of the military branches. <laughs> well, anything is better than Space Force. Exactly. Unless we have think... Space Force listeners, then we, we love you. Yeah. Thank you for keeping um, Martians away from us. And for giving Stephen Carell a new role to play for a little while. And a show that wasn't that good. No, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, did you know, Craig, that... Uh, Absolutely. In, in England, on Channel 4, they censor uh, the word knife in they'll never, you'll never know the joys of a simple knife monkey knife fight. So they don't cut out the part where the monkeys are actually fighting with knives, nor <laughs> Mo encouraging the monkey to stab the other one saying he ain't pretty no more. But they do uh, not say monkey knife fight. They just say monkey fight because they don't want to encourage any monkeys to have oh, right. knife fights, you know, any monkeys <laughs> that might be watching. That's funny. <laughs> 
So Homer asks everyone, who is the greatest billionaire in the world? And the party goes respond, you are. Of course, the right answer is no billionaires since extreme wealth aids in the further death of the middle class. But this is not a political podcast. In the ship, a nearby man with a parrot on his shoulder looks through a telescope at Burns's yacht and assumes it's another homosexual party. So he comments that they always have such nice things. A man standing next to him, who happens to have two parrots on each shoulder, brandishes his sword as he thinks they should pay the Gonfision a visit. His underling asks if it's a deadly visit, and the seaman says, though, play it by ear. Then they raise the skull and crossbone flag, revealing they are, of course, pirates. Oh, no. Oh, yes. The uh, four parrot pirate is very funny to me. Yeah. Uh, Homer is dancing with his friends to China Grove by the Doobie Brothers, and he steps out of frame and discovers that all of his friends have been replaced by pirates. Homer asks if they're friendly pirates, and the head pirate responds, not really, no. Homer then finds that all of his party guests have been trapped in a giant net hanging in the air, and all of their valuables are falling to the ship's floor. Mo cries out at the loss of his bus pass. Well, Pooh notices that every that they are poking every nook and cranny, or at least every cranny, until he's poked in the nook. Probably his anus. So the four parrot pirate leader instructs his first mate to set of course for Hidden Pirate Island, aka Hong Kong. Homer sees this and grabs a bullhorn and tries to get help from the Coast Guard. Help! Pirates! Navy SEALs are on the way. Oh, bless you! How about a tactical nuclear strike? Oh, that would be just... Well, you're just taking my chain, aren't you? Perhaps this foghorn will answer your question. Enough! Get in the net. I don't wanna! Ah, uh, Coast Guard is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> the horn's really... Uh, it's good stuff. But wouldn't a tactical nuclear strike also kill Homer? Yeah, it'd probably kill a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Homer then punches the pirates off the pirate's captain's shoulders one by one. He then grabs a knife from one of the uh, fighting monkeys and climbs up a ladder. He shouts, prepare to die, and remarks, you too, to a pirate who's <laughs> just kind of, you know, peacefully enjoying a yeah. Uh So Homer swings on the, on the rope, but then falls once he gets rope burn. And then he tries to get up, but he has a charley horse in his leg. So he goes to rub his leg, so he sticks the knife in his mouth, and he cuts his mouth open. So he spits out the knife, which then lands squarely on his hand. This is just a funny series of events. Uh, Homer is surrounded by pirates, and he knows his fate. Into the net. So the pirates hang the net full of Homer and his friends over the water, which of course is full of hungry sharks, and Lenny is unhappy with how the day is going. Some party, Homer. Shut up, Netface. Hey, you're in the net too. I said shut up, Netface. Oh, we're gonna die and I never tasted cantaloupe. Ah, you didn't miss much. Honeydew is the money melon. And now we will cut you loose. For liability purposes... It is the ocean that will kill you, not us. Hey, what do you know? It floats. That was my plan all along. Now relax and the currents will take us home. What about the people on the bottom? They're the greatest heroes of all. Hey, something's clawing at my leg. Okay, it's stopped. I gotta disagree. I, I, I think... If we're dealing with two perfect fruits, cantaloupe is better than honeydew. I don't like them, either of them. I think they're dumb. I think it's because I've only had crappy honeydew and melon from, like, when you go to a diner and you get the fruit cup. Oh, yeah. Everything is gross in that thing. That's true. So maybe I've never had the freshest, but I'm not... A... I've had fresh cantaloupe. I know that. And it's I don't like it. 
it's real hit or miss. Um, I've had really good cantaloupe that is just amazing, but I'd say more often than not, it tastes a little woody and a little disappointing. I'll stick with the water of melons for me. That is the king melon, I think. Yeah. So I just want to take a moment and bow our heads down for the half of the people on the boat that are now dead. Exactly. (laughs) And so I'm trying to figure out who that is exactly. And so (laughs) I'm looking, we see that we have in the net on the top side, we've got a poo, Wiggum, Captain McAllister, Bart Homer, Lenny Carl, and some other guy. So that means that we know that Barney is dead. <laughs> uh, Pooh is dead. No, but Pooh's there. Here's my, my theory is, remember, they also invited all those other people on that were partying on the other boats, like the bikini-clad ladies, the bullfighters. Uh-huh. Right. So maybe it's all those people that are on the bottom that are dead. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a good point, yeah. All right, so sorry, RIP to those people. But they were criminals, so they deserve to die. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just left calling Lenny a net face. (laughs) Yeah. It's not even an insult. It's just a net face. Shut up, net face. You should do that at work. You know, just the obvious, not calling people net face, but like, you know, someone coming in to purchase items. Just say, shut up, customer face. (laughs) Way to go, beer drinking face. Versus like, I just asked where the restroom's at. What's the matter? You got to pee? (laughs) Pee face. (laughs) Oh, do you mean to help you pull your penis out and then Aim it at the toilet. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sir. You want me to dab a... your urethra with toilet paper when you're done? Do you need me to reach under your balls and push on your taint to make sure all the urine is out? Did you know about that trick, man? Do you want me to lick the tip of your penis to make sure it's dry? <laughs> this is the weirdest story I've ever been into. <laughs> Thank you. Please come again. <laughs> oh, do you need number two? You want me to wipe that anus of yours clean? <laughs> You want me to be a human bidet where I take a a swig of water and then spit it into your butthole? All right, you've gone too far, Steve. I thought you would, so. No, I I, I think I went the furthest. You just went farther. Always the number two, Steve. Always the number two. Uh, At the mansion, everything is clean and sparkling, much like Steve cleaning your asshole. (laughs) Thanks to the work of Marge and Lisa. Uh, That's what Steve calls his hands, Marge and Lisa. Because they get things sparkling clean. That's right. They couldn't believe they got the old man smell out of the 137 rooms. Burns and Smithers arrive home. Monty is glad to have a clean bill of health and sends his thoughts to Smithers, asking how many eggs were laid in Waylon's brain. Smithers doesn't know, feeling that uh, one is too many. And as Burns <laughs> enters his home, he is taken back by the foul stench of youth. So Mr. Burns then checks his surroundings. There's a Ming vase on a narrow column that's not knocked over and some priceless coins that are not used in the vending machine right next to it. <laughs> and he's impressed until, uh, you know, Homer and Bart uh, burst in. Mr. Burns, pirates got your yacht. What? <laughs> well, I suppose some mishaps are unavoidable. <laughs> done to your beautiful face oh there there smithers this monkey's going to need most of your skin mm. oh, it's good to be home oh, i don't know after living like a billionaire this place is kind of a dump Ah, oh, it's not so bad here we can spit on the floor <laughs> bart stop that now we may not have antique furniture or priceless artwork but we have everything we need right here. That's right. Just because we're not rich doesn't mean that we don't have... Oh, no. I can't even finish. I want to be rich. 
<laughs> like these guys. So the credits roll and Homer cries that all the rich people who are not as rich as they should be, of course, but uh, still rich. Homer looks at the names um, with all the money until he gets to the animation production manager for Gracie Films, which is Richard K. Chung, who then Homer points out is poor, but then <laughs> says to uh, look at all the other people who can buy and sell him, saying that he should send a list of these names to the IRS. And as the Gracie Films logo pops up, the woman in the theater does the regular shh. And Homer Good replies, night. don't shush me, you rich bastard. <laughs> I wonder if that's some uh, some Dan ad libbing there, like like for the animation production manager, like for him just to call him out. Was that like uh, his his doing like uh, and call me out on that because he's the I don't know. It was just really funny. I yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of fun at this time of this record a WG and a SAG strike, and yeah, maybe some of those people do deserve more money, and they're that's not right. all super rich. Yeah, yeah, except for maybe Richard K. Chung because he's a He's a manager. They make too much money. Yeah, all managers should be paid less. <laughs> yeah. Except for me. <laughs> there you go, Steve. There you go. Yeah, that's that's it. Yep. Do you think uh, we need to take a little break and then regroup and come back and discuss what we saw? Sounds good. All right. We'll be right back. Oh, oh, and look at all these rich people here. Not as rich as they should be, of course, but still rich. Oh, look at all the big money. Look at all the names that own money and have lots of money. Oh, oh he's poor. But look at all the other people. Oh, look at all the people who can buy and sell me. I should send a list of these names to the IRS. I'm taking them all down. Oh, look at all the rich people. Oh, 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 look at that rich. Uh, don't judge me, rich bastard. And we're back. All right, Steve, let's wrap up this week's episode, The Mansion Family. We'll talk about some of our favorite scenes, find a jokester, MBJ. That means most valuable jokester. We'll talk about what we've thought about the show, maybe give it a ranking, then find out what we're watching next week. But before we do all that, we like to give a gift from this episode, something that we say, hmm, I think my uh, co-host would appreciate this. So that's why I went with a monkey with a knife. So you can have your own monkey fight, Steve. Oh, boy. That's really cool. I'll have a lot of fun with a monkey fight. <laughs> of course, you know, Craig, I can't fight alone. So I'm going to get you a monkey as well. Oh, boy. With a knife? With a knife. And also, I'm going to give you a Springfield Pride Award for least smelliest co-host. Thanks for the award, Steve. Um, I don't have one for you. But instead, um, here's 12 different forks. Figure out what they are for. Ooh. That one's for scratching my ass. <laughs> they all could be for scratching your ass, Steve. It's true. <laughs> all right, Steve. Uh, what scene from this episode do you think is the best? Is there a great joke? <sighs> do you have a favorite jokester? The amazing thing about this episode, to me, is that nearly every line is setup punch joke. It's just a setup punchline, setup punchline. It's just uh, full of jokes, and there's so many good ones. I think that the doctor scene is really good and the doctor might be my favorite just because he's so dry but then he does the three students impression and the uh, little diseases are cute um but also the scene with the uh bike race car and horse is very funny mr burns saying i'm a big boy 
I like the Coast Guard guy, um, even though they're a little problematic in this day. I like the pirates. So I, I think I'm going to give the MBJ to the doctor at the Mayo Clinic, but it's a tough choice. There's a lot of good in this episode. What about you, Craig? Yeah, the doctor's great. And so is the oldest man in Springfield. Mm hmm. Kent Brockman's attitude when he's with uh, Britney Spears. And of course, Lenny has a couple great things, especially the uh, drinking time and uh, him praying that he wins the award. Yeah. But uh, I got to agree. I think it's it's the Mayo Clinic doctor. Uh, just a lot of fun stuff there. All right, Steve, what did you think of this episode uh, altogether? I love this episode so much. Rewatching this episode, I probably watched it six times this week. In fact, at one point, I watched it and I liked it so much that I watched it again without taking any notes. I just like, oh, that was enjoyable. When we talk about how classic of a writer John Swartzwelder is, there's all those classic like season one episodes of Simpsons because he's been writing. He was writing there since, since uh, 1999 or sorry, 1989. And this is kind of towards the end of it. But this to me, like strikes all the boxes. You have Mr. Burns's old timiness. You have this weird kind of just old fashioned comedy that just works so well. The plot is silly and it, it's not a consequential episode. And I don't know what people think of it as, like as they look at the grander spear of the Simpsons as a whole. But for me, this is just a classic episode. It's probably like one of the top ones that we've reviewed on this podcast. And honestly, I've never tried to make a list of my favorite Simpsons episodes ever. I mean, I probably have, but like if I were to make a big list, this would probably be in my top 20. There's just so many funny, iconic things from this episode, from what we just talked about. And just all the jokes are so funny and so good. Just like the clips alone of uh, Cornelius Chapman, uh, you know, helping people to their death or introducing a toothbrush or being a one man basketball team. That's all funny stuff. And there's like no bad in this episode. It's just joke after joke that all land really well. Famously, John Schultzwitter has written 59 episodes of The Simpsons. So if I'm going to give this a rating out of 57, after, out of 59, I got to give it a 58 out of 59. It's uh, near perfection for me, this episode. So I don't want to I don't want to overpraise it, but I love this episode a lot. What are your thoughts, Craig? Wow, did we watch the same show? <laughs> uh, this episode was terrible, Steve. Oh, no, <laughs> no, uh, no, I enjoyed it. I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as you. Um, and I'm, maybe I, I'm biased too. Like maybe yeah. it's my memories because this is when you're still regularly watching The Simpsons. You know, season eleven. I mean, it goes all over the place. It's the B plot is let's just see Mr. Burns <laughs> getting medical exams. That's the B plot. Right. And uh, you know, we're at the time of like jerkass. Is it jerkass Homer or dumbass Homer? I think we're kind of still in the late, uh, late jerkass, early stupid. But you're right. This is all just great setup, punchline jokes. Um, I, I I do enjoy this episode. It's it's a good Schwartzwelder. Not for me, like not his top tier episodes. And those, are, of course, are mostly from the earlier stuff seasons. But um, from the ones that we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, how we thought maybe Kill the Alligator and maybe the Frying Game were up there. Is this out of the ones we reviewed your top over those ones that we've already talked about? Uh, yeah, for me, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd have to put that up there as well. I think it is better than those other ones. Are we just like Schwartzwelder fans? Is that the problem? Especially it you. could be. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. know. I am a big fan of his. So, so you I, might be a little biased. Incredibly so. Yeah, I don't deny it. I bet if we showed this to modern Simpsons fans, maybe some fans that are, like grew up with the show from 20 and beyond or 25 and beyond, they might see this episode as not as good. And a little bit problematic things maybe, but sure. Um, you're right. And when it's on TV, it's a fun, fun episode to watch. 
just a lot of quotable things from this episode. All right, if I had to give this episode a ranking, uh, the beginning episode, we had uh, the winner Cornelius of the oldest living person in Springfield. So let's find out who the oldest person in Portland was. Maybe not right now, but according to Wiki, this is from the person who was born in Portland and died in Portland. So not someone who was born in Lone Elm, Kansas and moved here. Mm-hmm. But uh, according to the uh, gerontology.fandom.com, we have Elizabeth Meyer, born 1904, died in 2014. She was 110 years old. That's right. Born and raised here in Portland, Oregon. So 110. I'll give it the age uh, Steve is going to die. Mm. 41. That's no. not right. I'll give it the age I think uh, Schwartzwelder is going to die at. And that's uh, 107. I'll give it 107. I like it. That's fair. Well, you know what else is fair, Steve? What's that? Continuing the podcast. Okay. So we're going to uh, continue on. This is our 238th episode. So let's just do our 239th next week. And we'll do the 239th episode of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. That's a uh, season 11, episode 13, titled uh, Saddlesore Galactica. Steve, you might know what it is, but just humor us. Steve, what do you think that episode is about? Saddlesore Galactica. Well, I think that Homer assumes that his family are a bunch of frack and Cylons. <laughs> and so he buys a uh, horse to uh, travel to find other Cylons to track him down. And he meets uh, Starbuck, played by Portland native Katie Sackhoff, makes a guest appearance and sells Homer a horse. So this episode aired February 6, 2000, when she was uh, like <laughs> maybe 18 or 19. Yeah, yeah. Battlestar Collector. Yeah. Before oh. the whole reboot started. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Simpsons did it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're absolutely wrong, Steve. Uh, Bart and Homer discover that horse racing is a treacherous business after they rescue a horse from the state fair. Steve, also Battlestar Galactica. There was the original I one had. in the 70s. You could have gone with that. And, you know, oh, sure. I could have. Yeah. Lauren Green and uh, Dirk Benedict. Uh, the rest. And the rest. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Steve, do you remember this episode? I do. There are <laughs> elements that I remember liking and elements that I remember not liking, but that's about it. And like, if I remember correctly, this is uh, Tim Long wrote this, by the way. Um this kind of episode, isn't it kind of meta in a way? Like, it's purposely not supposed to be a good episode, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. And there is the origin of a very iconic line, I think, oh, in right, this episode. Right. Can I guess it? Yeah. Where's my vacuum? From March. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Where's my vacuum? <laughs> you remember in the 2000s when that was on the t-shirts and yep. on all the bumper stickers? Maybe, Steve, is that a shirt? I think that's a shirt. <laughs> Just march uh, with their hands up in the air. Yep. <laughs> Where's my vacuum? I think that would sell. It's kind of a reference to the classic arcade game. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, March loves her vacuum. Uh, yeah. God, it's been such a long time since I've seen this episode. So I'm not I'm not sure if. Uh, yeah. I remember not liking it when it came out, but maybe I didn't, just didn't get the point of it because it's. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm at. Like, I think there's like a B plot that I enjoyed, but the A plot wasn't for me, but I could be wrong. And it's been a long time since I've seen it. So, well, maybe this is I'm fun. Yeah. We get to continue on our adventure of season 11 until the new season. So, looking forward to watching this one. And uh, until then, Steve, let's get our fans to uh, go ahead and contact us on social medias like uh, Instagram or uh, Facebook threads, uh, whoever owns Meta, that uh, Zuckerberg guy, we're on that one thing. 
So uh, at one three at Simpsons. And you can always email us at one three at Simpsons at gmail.com. And hey, if you're so kind, you're your favorite pod catching up. Leave us five stars or the equivalent, but you don't need to write a real review. Just tell us uh, what you would do in international waters, you weirdos. And check out our TeePublic site, tpublic.com slash user slash annoyed grunt boys. And hey, we also got a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at one three Simpsons. And hey, while you're on that podcatching app, uh, leave us a voicemail. Ask us a question and uh, just say whatever you want. You don't have to talk to anybody. Just uh, we want to hear from you. Absolutely. All right, Steve. Thanks again, everyone. I've been annoyed grunt boy Craig. And I've been annoyed grunt boy Steve. And remember, I'm Al Lancer Jr. I'm Princess Margaret. And And we're we're drunk. drunk. Cigars are for rich people and legendary comedians like Bill Crosby and David Letterson.